We now live in an on-demand economy. Netflix brought us thousands of movies on demand. Action! Cut. DoorDash delivered restaurants to our front door. And Uber made it possible to get anywhere in town with one click. This is rapidly changing our expectations and how work gets done. We're now one click away from an accountant in QuickBooks. They just put CPAs in their software. A doctor with Teladoc. Now let's take care of that fever. Okay. I'm your host, Paul Estes. Each episode will get insights from operators, thought leaders, executives, and experts who are embracing technology to remove the friction in the way work gets done. Welcome to Work On Demand. Every year, over 800 tech and staffing leaders gather in Dallas for the SIA Gig E-Conference. We sat down with seven of them. Here are their stories. So day two of SIA here in Dallas, Texas, and I am have, have the honor to speak to Hans Bucca and Amanda Cole, the co-founders of eTechie, and they were on stage yesterday in the Shark Tank. How did that experience go? It was phenomenal exposure. It was thrilling as always when you get up in front of people and get to talk about what you're passionate on. Yeah, don't forget stressful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it was, you know, the sharks were getting on the stage and they were playing that music. And it was kind of a <laughs> kind of a surreal uh, experience. Yeah, I think swimming with sharks involves stress. That's the... <laughs> well, I, I want to talk a little bit about uh, what problem you guys were solving. I, I said yesterday, the thing I've noticed that even in the full-time hiring space, Hiring has changed, and maybe it's because of the pandemic, but I have more friends and former colleagues going through interview processes on Loom or filling out forms before they even talk to a, a person at yeah. the company. So tell me a little bit about eTechie, and then we'll talk about the problem you're solving and how you do it. Sure. Well, simply stated, eTechie is an expert tech interviewing as a service. And what we obviously produce with about 7,000 uh, freelance uh, tech experts is the ability for companies to get an expert interview. And that obviously in the recruitment case is used to support tech hiring managers, um, IT people, tech recruiters, uh, as they obviously try to determine a candidate's qualifications to get a job done. So that's the first part of the answer. I think in terms of how that fits and how that's affected in today's world, obviously your friends and everyone else post-pandemic are being driven a lot more by data, right? As we know with digitalization, algorithms, AI, machine learning, all of these technologies are being utilized now with which to try to get a better match, a better candidate. And so the experience has turned into one where there's a lot of sourcing going on, a lot of techniques that you see digital marketing being turned on finding candidates. That obviously brings a tremendous pool of, uh, of of potential, you know, globally. And then, of course, who are these people, you know, and do they really do, and are they able to complete the task, get the work done? Are their skills up to date? Are the experiences there? And those are the types of things that are set up for like the work that we do, which is to truly get an assessment. Usually, an expert takes an expert to get it, you know, know an expert, and that we bring them together in an automated way, as, as automated as possible and then facilitate that encounter so that the experts can help you determine whether someone is truly gonna be capable and well-matched to the position you're looking for. Take me through the experience. So, you know, I've hired many people and I've been hired a number of times in my career. And so 
I'm used to sending in my resume. Somebody from recruiting calls me. We try over the course of a month to try to find some meetings. It's very difficult because everybody's busy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they ghost you. And so it's a really messy process. If I'm going to hire somebody from on the eTechy platform, let's say I wanted a front-end developer to do some front-end developing. Tell me how the, the process works. So... The process works by our clients still sourcing their own candidates, right? Itechi doesn't take ownership of sourcing, validating eligibility. We are a true first step into determining suitability. So the job description that the recruiter used in identifying the right talent is uploaded to the platform. The five core skills for that position is connected back in terms of that's what we're going to score. That's also how we're going to match the subject matter expert so that they have direct experience in the role, utilizing those tools and technologies to lead the expert interview. So I would get, just to refer, I would get a, uh, just to use a front-end developer example. Front-end, yep. i show up, log in, and the person interviewing me would actually know what is they're a talking about. Is a front-end developer. <laughs> that, that alone is revolutionary. Right, right. No need to fudge, right? And research the questions in advance for a recruiter or a hiring manager that actually has responsibility for multiple IT departments. Uh, and then that interviewer carries out a fluid conversation, but within the framework of what the client's looking for, the job description, the skills to assess, and that fluid conversation typically is um, a scope a version of the behavioral interview. It's one that was developed by Dr. Jans specifically for eTechie so that technical conversations could achieve that same level of predictive validity, but allow for more conversation on uh, the outcomes and how did you get to those outcomes. And that's really where the rubber meets the road. Right. The interviewer needs to be able to ask the right follow up questions and the candidate, if they've actually done the work before, can tell you what version was used, why, who made that decision. Looking back four years in your career, would you do the same thing again? If so, why? Get me to those detailed points that prove they can do what they claim they do on their resume. So. Um, kind of wrapping it up there, right? The interviewer closes 45 minutes to an hour into the conversation, scores the candidate on competency, experience, provides detailed strength and weakness uh, descriptions, and all of that's packaged into a scorecard where it's interactive in the fact that the full transparent conversation right there for the recruiter to learn from right? Um, there for the hiring manager to watch in full or to jump in and, and listen to kind of key points that they can firsthand see the technical acumen of that person. So uh, really is a, an exciting way to provide color and context, which would have otherwise been just a bland resume. You were saying yesterday, which I thought was interesting, it's not only companies that are using the techie platform, it's also staffing agencies that are trying to vet independent talent and then place those people as well. How do you see the difference in those two channels or those two groups of people using the platform? 
Yeah, staffing companies have been around this place here for quite a long, long time. They're in the business of making money from recruiting people and placing them, right? So they need to move pretty quickly. Uh, that's what's expected of them. Um, that process obviously hyper focuses on this, you know, this activity of finding, assessing, and basically placing. Um, so we naturally got picked up by this industry because of the fact that they live by this activity. So they're very, very focused on that. There's also a lot of economics to the process for them. You know, uh, a little bit of a difference between them and a corporate um, recruitment process is that they're going to be placing someone they don't necessarily live with the consequences. I mean, they, they do, obviously, if they get a reputation of finding someone that doesn't work out or was a fake. You know, we see that quite a bit more also increasing. But, I, I want to talk about that and pin that because I this whole fake recruiting thing is something I didn't realize until I was reading through the notes and you guys were talking. But anyway. Yeah, so it's probably the kiss of death as a staffing supplier. If you're the one who, you know, sent someone a fake, you know, that's found out outside your watch, you know, while on assignment. But on the corporate side, they obviously live with the consequences. These are your colleagues now. You know, we're relying on this work to be done for my career, for my goals. So it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a different mindset when one is doing it as the business of doing this, while the other one is um, wanting very much to uh, get the talent that they have to coexist and work with. Um, so yeah, we, uh, we do three quarters of our business with staffing companies. It's not that we're specialized there, but like I said, based on circumstances, uh, we also have a lot more flexibility to work with them. Um, some of our competitors on the, on, let's say on the higher end, they charge quite a bit more. They, uh, they operate in a uh, much more involved sort of way. Rigid. Rigid, and uh, they tend to focus on certain categories that they have uh, sort of niched out. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got companies that are doing, uh, you know, converted call centers that read question banks. Uh, interestingly enough, I would say like like cybersecurity, it's a it's an arms war, meaning that those questions are out there. They get googled. People find out. You know, there are books and things on how to how to get through a Google interview and so. It, it on. reminds me of college when we used to go to the test banks. It's exactly right, it. and the teachers never changed it. So you. Yeah, it's exactly the same technology taken to the next level. And I think with uh, with call centers and converted call center people to read questions, as I like to say. It's not the first question you ask that's critical. It's the follow-up second and third question, as Amanda mentioned, because, you know, there's a lot of innate ability in a human to determine whether another human is telling the truth or not. And we capitalize on that. And it's very difficult to get that with someone who either doesn't care, doesn't have the wherewithal, the experience, the knowledge to determine that, um, and or uh, it's trying to be done through artificial intelligence, right? Artificial intelligence is artificial. <laughs> will always be artificial intelligence, right? It's interesting because in, in the gig economy space on, on the business side, I think some of the most successful and profitable platforms are ones that curate their talent. So it's not an open marketplace. We have you know 14 million people. It's like, hey, I've vetted these people and I know that if you work with somebody from my platform, um, I stand behind it. Right. And think about how much more they charge for that primary value proposition, which, which we can provide you that so-called special sauce 
for a, a lot less if you factor in how much you'll actually pay as a premium to get a top talent. Yeah. Let's talk economics. Yeah. So when, when I think of the economics of interviewing on the corporate side, it's just my time. For the most part, I live with the consequences, but the hiring managers all work there. I'm getting paid anyway. When you go to clients and say, hey, here's a, some OPEX that you'll have to spend. You'll get better results. You know, we have experts that are not only experts in the field, but we vetted them as people that are experts at interviewing, which are, which are two, not necessarily things that people have. And so it's a, not intuitive. Yeah. Right. And in, at Amazon, they call them bar raisers, right? They That's do. right. It's they a, do. a special person. And I've, I've, having been through a number of Amazon interviews, you know, you go to that person and they are trained in the Amazon way and as a bar raiser. Um, but how do the economics work? Where do people see the value of, hey, we're doing it here. It's not really costing us anything. Yeah, we're getting bad results. And yeah, it's really friction free. I mean, we're getting bad results and it has a lot of friction. How do the economics work? So when a company looks at at their technical interview process, you're right. It's oh well, you know, it's it's just soft costs. We're paying these tech people anyway. What many companies have not thought of, and one of the exercises that that we take them through is building that that financial case. There's a figure in finance that's revenue per employee, right? And depending on your company, your industry, right, that's going to vary. So there's a tangible loss of sales, loss of revenue generating activities that up until this point, not many people have thought about. And, and so that's where we go in and educate, right, on it's, it's not just the cost of a bad hire. It's the cost of the sales not being there because the product is there, because the service isn't there. Or they weren't able to. I mean, we, yesterday in every article you read, there's a great labor shortage. And so you can't get enough throughput to even get the people in seat yeah. to, in, in a lot of cases, especially manufacturing, but in a lot of cases to even uh, do the work. Yeah. So efficiency is important, but effectiveness is just as important, right? If you've got a, a tech recruiter, and recruiters typically are really good at making people uh, they're different people, people, right? I mean, they talk to you, they really explain things, they, they get all these nuances of the anxiety associated with being matched to a certain position. And they have a lot of high EQ and really work through that. If you ask them then to switch into this mode where they're supposed to try to assess something that they're really not capable of doing because they don't practice. And tech recruiters don't code every day. That's not their job. And now all of a sudden you add that to that mix it just doesn't work as well because of the effectiveness associated with that time. And therefore, what happens is that, you know, you get these inefficiencies and inefficiencies end up resulting downstream, even more so if someone ultimately doesn't end up having the skill. They could be a great person. Everything's fine. But you really want to know, because that's ultimately what this is about, that that person's going to be able to get the job done that you that you're relying on. you got to get that job done. You know, Amanda had mentioned that you already have these tech recruiters and companies want to get effectiveness for that. So what we've heard and we have in addition to our platform is some programs now where we take all the learnings that we have for tech recruiters and for panelists and pass that on in a form of training and coaching courses as well. Because we've heard people say, well, this is great. 
but I've got a bunch of people here. You know, how can I get them to be as good as the people you're talking about? So that's what we've expanded as our offerings is the ability to coach them. And then clearly in the context of using eTechie, you know, they can use our platform and then realize that be when they get in that situation, when they're stuck, you know, they're supposed to schedule this tech expert interview and they talk to their expert that they know, and that individual says, yes, I'll get to it in, you know, oh, I'm traveling and I got this uh, milestone I gotta get done on Friday. I'll interview that person in two weeks time. That's gone. The candidate in today's environment is gone. You need to have something within, within days, if not less, and you need to get the results within hours after that. I mean, he said something that was really interesting and I follow and think about a lot is, is codifying best practices. There was a, a what was the doctor's name again, or the, the academic's name? Dr. Jans. Dr. Jans. Yeah, so yeah. there's a, a person who studied this, that like how you get best, you know, the best practices for actually results, interviewing, yeah. getting the results and everything, and you've codified it into the platform. When you think of doing this remotely, mm. right? I mean, in a lot of cases, maybe not as much in the IT space, but in a lot of cases, this remote thing is new, mm. right? And so interviewing over Zoom, like just the, the employee experience or the candidate experience, are people okay? Do they feel natural going through that experience? Knowing that they're interviewing probably with a freelancer, not somebody that works at the company. They're interviewing in a new way, right? Via, you know, a platform, video. Yeah. video. Um, you know, are people starting to adopt that new way of, of interviewing? They definitely are adopting that way of interviewing. And there's lots of benefits to the candidate, right? You don't pull that candidate out of work for two days to have them travel to your office, go through three, four hours of interviewing, perhaps that all longer. Seems, that all seems so crazy. It now. seems contrite, right? Because today additional, it's, additional too. it's a click. Join, have the conversation and great, I'm finished, you know, ready to get back to work, ready to get back to my family, right? Whatever um, time of day that is. And it actually provides a higher quality candidate experience than the alternative of the tech team's too busy. So the recruiter grabs some knockout questions and attempts to, you know, use kind of a a learning curve to, to carrying out these, these tech validations. And the candidate experience in a platform like eTechie, we actually measure through asking them to rate the tech expert who did the interview. So instant feedback, right? As soon as the freelancer provides their scoring, they get the scores from the candidate. And the ones that you can tell are the strongest interviews when the candidate scores poorly, but then you look at the rating they gave the interviewer and they say, so patient, heard what I had to say, answered my questions, I appreciate the high touch experience. And you can't go wrong with an, an employer brand, right? If the person who's doing your interview provides that type of world-class experience. That's the thing that's always interesting to me when, you know, having been in the space for a while, is when people say, well, it's a freelancer, it's not gonna be a good experience. And I'm like, these are humans who, you know, the data shows that they're amazing at, at what they do. Uh, and when you connect an, an expert who has skills with someone, uh, it can be a, a better experience than the way you're doing it today. What is the biggest part of uh, 
Carrying on that point, what's the biggest part of change management? We're going from this world where things were done this way to a world where, hey, we're going to codify best practices. We're actually going to have a platform that captures all the data. And so we'll know whether the experience was good or bad. We, we can scale up and scale down and, and all of the benefits of not only platform technology, uh, but the gig economy. What is the biggest challenge as, as you guys are out hitting the streets with the, the techie way? Well, I, 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 my, I mean, probably several answers to this, but in, in focusing in on the staffing industry, which where we are today, it's been typically set up um, such that recruiters are compensated and motivated through a sales model. And very often sales models are identified with results orientation. And you get that kind of sort of comment says, you don't need to tell me how to do my job uh, because you pay me to get results. Right, so that that's good news, and that's bad news, right? Um, the bad news. Do people feel? Do the recruiters feel threatened? Like, hey, because I having you know tried to talk about the gig mindset or this idea of reaching out to people, it does say, hey, there are other people that are competent that can be helpful, and that starts to take away a little bit of your job identity or what you think your value might be. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, not necessarily any more than in other situations where change, you know, who, who moved my cheese or whatever right. it is. With the... That book still holds year after year. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's really fundamentally about change. Um, you know, when I was in the VMS industry, it was the same thing. VMS is killing the industry because I'm, I've been accustomed to doing this and I'm getting a, a, a good degree of success in doing it this way. Combine that with that sales model where it's about my responsibility for getting results. That's how you pay me. So, so please stay in your own lane and don't tell me how to do my job. Um, it makes it a little bit harder to be open to, to what's going on. Um, and that's what we've noticed. It takes a little bit more coaching. That's therefore a coaching offering and other things that saying we're not here to uh, stop you from doing other things that you're talented at doing. But have you thought about putting another, you know, tool in your tool chest to do it? So that is, um, you know, the change factor, I think, is probably the most, uh, you know, the, the, the highest handbrake on the on the car here. Um, but we see that also change eventually. We have clients that, you know, they take a trial, they order a certain number of interviews from us, the way we package things. Um, they run behind, meaning that uh, they're actually using more interviews than their payments. And then uh, now it's ready to up and then and they, they buy a little bit more and they keep buying more and people start getting accustomed to it. And I very truly believe like a lot of other innovation that in 10 years from now, if you were to tell a, a recruiter and say, hey, you know, we got to get you going back to doing these uh, expert assessments, you know, this technology assessments, like, what are you kidding me? I can't do that. I'm not qualified. I don't code every day. That's like a ridiculous ask, you know even though of course we're doing that today. And I think that, that part of all of that, right, is setting proper expectations with candidates, with recruiters, with executives, having clear, consistent communication amongst those stakeholders because any new innovation isn't gonna give you results overnight, right? You need to, at least a good 90 days Right for everyone to assimilate it into their process, to provide kind of the right inputs, outputs, and know what's what's what. Um, you know, eTechie is not a tool that you just plug into your ATS and all of a sudden things are better. It, it takes it depends, work. It depends on the ATS, but uh, but generally, 
Amanda's right. I mean, it's one of those things that in an environment, especially, I, I heard it yesterday, you hear it here a lot because there's such demand that recruiters are even doing the things that they know they may necessarily not do, which is to throw candidates because there's a, a driven deadline to get candidates in the in, in, in you know uploaded within 24 hours. So everybody's moving as fast as they possibly can. It's cyclical. Yeah. This is the time that these companies make as much money you know as they can because their demand is so so high, um, and they got to move supply as quickly as they can. And that of course is a little counterintuitive to kind of using a process or an additional process. Uh, even though, again, the individuals that are get that quality are the ones that are going to benefit from it. It's not necessarily the matchmaker right here, right now that sees the value so clearly. Thank you both for your time. Uh, I appreciate it. I really enjoyed the stage presentation that you guys did yesterday. I think it's a innovative approach. Uh, and I envision a world where my two daughters will do their first interviews uh, on a platform just like Techie. I don't think they're going to be trying in you know, the scheduling drama of trying to get in touch with someone. So uh, best of luck. If people want to get in touch with either of you or learn more about the work you're doing, what's the best way to do that? My first name, Hans at eTechie.com. Use this way. All right. Amanda.cole at eTechie.com. And we'll put all the information, uh, your LinkedIn and some articles that you shared with me yeah. uh, in the show notes. So thank you very much Great. and best of luck. Thank Great you. To have. Thank, thank you. you for having us. I'm your host, Paul Estes. Thank you for listening to Work On Demand. This episode has been produced by Scott Walden at Great Scott Voice Media, with additional support from freelancers on Fiverr, Upwork, and Fancy Hands. If you've enjoyed this conversation, we'd appreciate you rating us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast, or simply telling a friend about the show. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode that explores the world of Work On Demand.